I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, your old flagpole has leaned a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is. He said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it right and say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans with Packingham and Jackson tugging at its seams. And it almost fell at the Alamo beside the Texas flag, but she waved on low. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee, board of guard and brag, and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Because she's been through the fire before. And I believe she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning. We take her down every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I do like to brag because I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. 
St. Louis and all points northeast, south, and west. We welcome you in, Kevin Slayton, with you in the Window World, King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. This is where you come to listen to the show live. You can also hear it the podcast uh, on this very same webpage. You can also hear the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, Anchor. It doesn't matter. We're on all of them. You can also join our show, 636-538-0746, 636-538-0746. It's your daily dose of the truth supported by facts and evidence. Now, you won't hear that in very many places. You might hear people say it, like Brett Baer says, Fox News and his show, always fair and balanced, when the truth is it's never fair and balanced on his show. It's always lefty. And by the way, Fox is taking a major hit in their ratings because of their lurch to the left. Once again, this happened uh, during the impeachment crap and the January 6th crap, and now the January 6th hearings. Everyone tunes Fox out the minute they go to those hearings. It's incredible how they come right back in when the five starts. So hopefully lesson learned by Fox, but they'll never learn that they need to get rid of the cancer that is Brett Baer. He's such a fraud. He's right there with Chris Wallace, and stunningly, they're buddies. It was Baer and Chris Wallace who went to Fox executives to complain about Tucker Carlson and Tucker's January 6th uh, specials on Fox uh, Channel Streaming, Fox Nation, Because Tucker actually did an investigative report, a series of reports, into January 6th that were actually fact-related. Bear and Wallace couldn't stand that. It ended up leading to Wallace's departure, thank God. You're going to hear from him, though, today, believe it or not. Wait till you hear what this asshat has to say. As he sucks up to Andrew McCabe, a convicted liar. Wow. Chris Wallace has always, what did we tell you? For years we told you what a phony he was. And now we're telling you Brett Baer is just as bad, if not worse, if that's possible. Today you're going to hear Jamie Raskin, who is a serial liar in the, in the proud tradition of Adam Schiff. That is a battle for the biggest liar in Washington, D.C., and that is quite a tussle. So many competitors But Raskin is going to prove to you that he has taken a seat at the table among the top two. Don Trump Jr. will react to that asshat and the hearings themselves. And what's her name? Cassidy Hutchinson. You're going to hear more lies from her. Molly Hemingway laughingly mocks her. It is funny. You'll hear a cabinet member of Biden's joke about how he's poised to break the law and doesn't care. It's amazing. Ben Carson will tell you why they attacked Clarence Thomas, so will Tim Scott. 
Brian Birch is the president of CatholicVote.org, and he's none too happy with the Pope, nor with Pelosi, of course, touting her faith while she also loves abortion. Stephen Colbert will, well, will give you evidence of how he sucked up to Sandy Cortez and how Cortez lapped it up. And finally, Kevin McCarthy speaks about what the Republicans will do if given the majority by the voters. I've been saying, when is he going to tell us? What are you going to do? Don't, don't keep telling us how bad Biden is. We already know that. But what are you going to do to change it? So he tells us what he's going to do, but he hasn't told us why yet, so I'm still waiting for that now. That'll be next. But he also revealed some great information for us about his future plans for a couple of liberal liars who currently sit on the Intel Committee. And brain-dead Sonny Hostenhusen will tell you that you can't be pro-gun and pro-life. Can't be. Because she's so smart. And I'm going to tell you that Taco Bell has breakfast waiting for you. Locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations have breakfast for you. And at that breakfast, they invoke their dollar crave menu. That's right, a buck. You can get a grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits for a dollar. You can get a double stuffed taco for a dollar. A grande burrito for a dollar. I could go on. There's also a $5 Crave menu. You can get a double chalupa with two tacos in a box and a soft drink for 5 bucks. I could go on. There's plenty. There's a morning AM crunch wrap, two different kinds, under $3. A grande scrambler is also under 3 The breakfast quesadilla is under $2. And even if you throw steak on it, it's still under 3 At Taco Bell, they're always innovating, so check their menu. Something could be different today than you've never seen before, and you'll want to try it. You also won't spend much money, and I know everybody wants to hear that today, thanks to the Biden regime of bankrupting all of us. At Taco Bell, you can go through your sofa cushions, you can go through your change compartment in your car, and presto, you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and late night, and lots of food. Here are the locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations, because I like to support locally owned and operated businesses. In Missouri, they're in Chesterfield Valley, Washington, St. Clair, Union, Jackson, Cape Girardeau, and in Illinois, they're in Waterloo, Jerseyville, Troy, DuCoin, Carbondale, Springfield, Salem, Decatur, and Columbia, Illinois. Those are all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations. All right, where to begin? Well, let's begin with that serial liar, Jamie Raskin, who in an interview session, and I call it a session because it was a mutual love affair with Jake Tapper, who pretended to be tough in asking for corroboration of Cassidy Hutchinson, but then also said that he, Jake Tapper, the soothsayer, looking into his crystal ball as the great Karnak did on The Tonight Show when The Tonight Show was funny, Jake Tapper alone knows that she's honest. Um, And I don't doubt her. I'm I'm sure Amana told her the story. Um, but your committee interviewed them. Did you ask about this story? It is a shocking story. We, we, I mean, maybe you didn't know about it at the time. I don't know. I, I was not involved in either of those interviews. So I, I can't say, and I don't have any knowledge of that. Uh, I, I will just say um, I'm not aware of anything that contradicts 
the account that she just gave. Right, but you would agree that that story would be stronger if you had corroborating evidence from the individuals who were actually in the presidential limo. Sure, and we're encouraging every material witness who has relevant evidence to come forward. But you've already interviewed. But you've already interviewed these two. Well, um, you know, anybody is free to to come back. And again, I've not been involved in um, the questioning of those particular witnesses. Let me tell you what a liar he is. First of all, don't you love Tapper? Oh, I'm sure that uh, the agent told her this story. You are? The agent denies telling her that story. In fact, the agent says she's lying. But you're sure that she's telling the truth. She's honest because you're such a liberal lapdog. Raskin says they're free to come back. The two Secret Service agents that you interviewed, and he pretends that he... Jamie Raskin, who's been after Donald Trump as long as Pelosi has, that he isn't aware of what their testimony was behind closed doors. Anybody believe that? It's as if liberals try to outdo each other with their own lie. Oh, you lied quite well there. Let me see if I can top that. I think I can. And then they do. Tapper with that nasally twang. Well, uh, I'm not saying he's not telling the truth. She's honest. Of course, I'm sure that he told her that. But he didn't tell her that. Unless he's a liar, the agent. And I don't believe that for one second. Always measure who's lying in a contest of two by who has the most to gain by the lie. The Secret Service agent has nothing to gain. Nothing by claiming now that he didn't tell her this story, this James Bond tale, this Jason Bourne experience. Nothing to gain. If he told her that story, yeah, it makes Donald Trump look bad, but it doesn't help the Secret Service agent or hurt him either way. Now, who does she, or how does she have Something to gain. Well, I think we know. She's now the darling of the liberals. For all we know, she has lined her pockets already with cash. That would be my guess. Every liberal witness that has been called in the last five years to any hearing has become wealthy. And then they get to write books, and perhaps they'll star in their own movie. The Cassidy Hutchinson story. I am a whistleblower. But you're not. You're a liar. You're an abject liar. And you know how I can say that? Because I believe in the integrity of the Secret Service. The one institution, perhaps, still left standing that isn't political. These people put their lives on the line to protect people. They have no motivation to lie. They're not going to get a raise. They're not going to get a pay cut. Either way, nothing happens when they say something. They very rarely issue statements. But the communications director of the Secret Service issued a statement on this and said she's lying and that their two agents are willing and able to come and testify anytime. In public, what was the response of Jamie Raskin and Lizzie Cheney and Kinzinger and Pelosi? Never mind. We don't need you. Now, do you know how we also know that in their private testimony, these two agents didn't agree with Hutchinson's version of events and said she's a liar? You know how we know that? 
because if they had corroborated what she said, we would have known about it. Larry the leaker, Adam Schiff, would have leaked it to every news outlet in history. They would have only been too grateful to tell us all how Donald Trump lost it. Here's another way you can tell she's lying. She keeps saying that this took place in The Beast. For those uninitiated in what The Beast is, The Beast is the presidential limousine, the one that travels with the president, the one that's overseas with Biden now. And they call it The Beast because it's so well-armored, impenetrable. The SUV that the president takes Sometimes you saw him take it uh, at the hospital when he got sick. You saw him take a lap around the hospital to wave to his supporters who were there to support him when he was sick. That's not the beast. She claims it was the beast. So how would the Secret Service confuse the two? They wouldn't. That's the answer. So Raskin's a bold-faced liar, and he went on to lie some more when Tapper asked him if they have any corroboration at all for her story. Well, um, the story that she told is the evidence that I'm aware of, at least within her story is the only version you know. And I've not seen anything to contradict it. And then, of course, it's corroborated by everything else we know about Donald Trump's eagerness to uh, not just incite this march and assemble the march and form the march and exhort the people in the march, but also to participate in it. He wanted to go into it, and, you know, he's being told by the White House counsel, he's being told by others, don't do this. And uh, Ms. Hutchinson testified about how Mr. Cipollone was telling her, please don't let him go on that march. Right. You've assured me he's not going to go in, go into it, because then he said at that point, we're going to be guilty of, I think she said, tons of offenses or, you know, hundreds of crimes. Um, because at that point, he's not going to be able to assert any kind of ignorance of what was about to happen. Right, right, right. right. Tapper just came. Right, right. A batch of lies there. Does anybody really believe that Cipollone or Cipollone, the presidential the White House attorney, asked a low-level aide to Mark Meadows, not even an aide to the president, an aide to Mark Meadows, a low-level aide, that the powerful White House counsel asked her to stop Donald Trump from going to the Capitol. Now, if you're Cipollone, if you really believe that Donald Trump is going to do something you'd rather he not do, would you call on an aide at the lowest level in Mark Meadows' office? I think not. You'd call on 17,000 other people, but not her. So there's a lie. Raskin says that nothing has come forward to debunk her story. These people just lie boldly, don't they? It's unconscionable that he would even say that. And it shows Trump's eagerness to incite and to participate. First of all, There's not an ounce of proof of any incitement. We know that. That's another lie. His eagerness to participate. He gave a speech. What's wrong with that? If you mean eager to participate, 
If you th- if you're saying he was eager to go down and break into the Capitol, you're full of shit. Everybody knows that. It's incredible. Of course, Tapper, the lapdog for the liberals, just sits there. Uh huh. Right. Right. And Raskin continued to claim that nothing she said has been debunked. Our job under House Resolution 503 is to assemble the most meticulous and comprehensive account of the details of that day that we can, as well as the causes of these events, as well as uh, making recommendations as to how to fortify democratic institutions against coups and insurrections and political violence and attacks on our election. So that's what we're working on. And that obviously is just one detail of many details. And so far, I'm not aware of a single uh, fact that the committee has put forward that has been contradicted or debunked by anybody. A very clear story of the president's attempt to overthrow, President Trump's attempt to overthrow the presidential election. Absolutely. But how about Tapper? Sure. Right. Absolutely. While the guy sits there and lies. And he knows he's lying. Not a single fact that they've accumulated has been debunked. Really? What about Cheney leaving out phrases in a text or leaving out phrases in a speech that the president made to benefit her lie? That has been debunked. In fact, that was the first day. So either Raskin is the dumbest person on earth since he says, I'm not aware of, you're either the dumbest man alive or you're a bold-faced liar. And we know which is true. He's a liar. Then he says our job is to figure out how to fortify the institutions and protect them. Really? That's your job? That's not your job. But your committee was formed not for that reason anyway. It was formed to smear Donald Trump and taint him badly enough, whether true or not, so that he wouldn't be able to run again. That's the goal here. It was the goal from the start. It's why there's no cross-examination. It's why they don't put any witnesses on that tell a different version of events, and they never will. But when he says how to fortify these institutions, Donald Trump gave you that blueprint. He told Pelosi and Bowser days before leading up to January 6th, I'm authorizing the National Guard 20,000 troops. If you think there's going to be violence, Rudy Giuliani thought maybe we should protect the area. They don't give Rudy Giuliani credit for that either. That's how you fortify it, you jackass. But you didn't want to do that. Your leader there, Pelosi, had already called them stormtroopers. be hard for her to bring the stormtroopers in, wouldn't it? Nothing's been debunked as far as Raskin knows. And then Raskin goes on to try to support this bizarre claim that Hutchinson made that Donald Trump wanted people with weapons to come in because they're not going to hurt me. It's at that moment that we realize and we are able to show that Donald Trump knew that there were members of the crowd who were violent, uh, armed certainly, and uh, who were refusing to lay down their arms to come in, which is why they weren't going through the metal detectors. But he was saying he wanted the crowd all together. He said, forget the mags, get rid of the mags, let my people in. In other words, let in the people who were carrying, according to the testimony, 
guns, knives. There were even people with AR-15s there that day. Let them all in. They're no threat to me, right. said Donald Trump. According to They're not going to harm me. Now, whether they were going to harm other people, um, that was a matter of no import to President Trump. <laughs> what are you, a mind reader? Are you clairvoyant? Notice how he says Donald Trump wanted violent people to come in, people with guns. He quickly correlates violence with guns. If they had guns, anybody there, which has never been proven, by the way, it's never been proven that anyone that marched to the Capitol had a weapon on them at all. No one has said that. No one has proven that except Cassidy Hutchinson. So some of them even had AR-15s. <gasps> My God, these legal gun owners. These bastards. Though somehow Raskinth says they're violent. You know who I think is violent? See, we associate violence in the wrong way a lot of times. We always associate violence with somebody punching you in the mouth or somebody shooting somebody. Certainly those are violent acts. But what about a liar? What about a serial liar who lies to destroy people? Isn't that violence? It is to me. I would, I would much rather you punch me in the mouth than lie about me and try to sully my reputation and try to destroy my life as the liberals have done over and over and over again and not just with Donald Trump. So punch me in the mouth any day. I take that over your serial lying, your vicious, violent lies, which is exactly what they are. But here's really what it's all about, and we've known this forever. Everyone knows this. It's all about getting Donald Trump. But I could certainly see prosecutors looking at that, and if they're making charges of seditious conspiracy, which is conspiracy to overthrow or put down the government of the United States, that that crowd uh, could be, or people who are ringleaders in that crowd could be charged with seditious conspiracy, as they many of them have been. Yeah, Oath Keepers and, and, and several have already pled guilty to that charge. So uh, in any event, it debunks the lie you sometimes hear that uh, the violence was all a surprise to Donald Trump. Uh, or the fact that people were armed was somehow a surprise to him. It was no surprise. It was no surprise. And they have been charged with seditious conspiracy and Jake Tapper. They have been. They have been. First of all, no one was charged with that until a year and a half after the fact when media reports started to circulate that no one has been charged with that. They kept saying it, but nobody had been charged. So all of a sudden they decided to charge one guy. And then just two weeks ago, they decided to charge the leaders of the Proud Boys. Five people. <laughs> so they've accused the Proud Boys of engaging in seditious conspiracy. Now, that'll be interesting to see. And by the way, when Raskin says people have already pleaded guilty to that, no, they haven't. No one has pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy unless it happened last night. You effing liar. Donald Trump Jr. understands what that circus clown Raskin and the rest of them are all about. Even Alan Dershowitz, who was the constitutional law professor at Harvard for Raskin when Raskin was in school there, says Raskin must have skipped my class. Don Jr. reacted to this entire fraudulent hearing and Hutchinson herself.
What's really interesting is that the House Unselect Committee, upon hearing that, has no interest in hearing from those Secret Service agents. So you have testimony. Normally you'd want to corroborate it. You want to build up the evidence to say that the testimony we have is great. Unless it's BS, folks. Basically, Amber Heard was testifying yesterday. Jesse Smollett, uh, any number of the clown show brigade that we've been watching for the last few years. Anyone with an IQ above about three who watched it realized that it was nonsense. But that didn't stop the media. That certainly didn't stop the committee and the Liz Cheney's of the world who are more than happy to have evidence out there that is ready to be disputed. They don't need to do anything. So you know what? I know the Democrats won't go after their star witness when they perjure themselves. I sure as hell hope that the Republicans, when they take back the House in November, that they do go after these people. Because this isn't democracy, folks. This is crap. That's exactly what it is. And I don't blame them for being passionate. If that were my father they were talking about like that, I'd be furious. I'd be livid. It is crap. And they trot this lying wench out there in her little white jacket as if she's some sort of pure innocence. You know that wardrobe was the edict of the Hollywood producer, the ABC News guy that they hired to put this entire production on. It's nothing but pure theater designed for one thing, to destroy Donald Trump. They don't care if it's true. That is obvious. That's not my opinion. I'll back it with facts. If they cared if it was true, they would trot out the Secret Service agents. Did she lie? Well, they don't want those Secret Service agents to say she lied because that's their, all of a sudden, their star witness. They knew this was going nowhere. They knew people didn't care. They weren't watching it. So all of a sudden, we've got to create some kind of furor. Well, let's bring a furor on. A little Nazi stuff. Let's bring the little Nazi chick on. She'll lie. If she's honest, why did she have a pro-Trump lawyer and all of a sudden switch to a Trump-hating lawyer two weeks before she testified? Somebody explain that to me. Little nuggets that people aren't aware of. That's what we specialize in here. You know who did believe her, though? Yeah, one of the greatest liars of our time, Adam Schiff. Uh, Look, I believe Cassidy Hutchinson. I think she's a very, very smart, very capable, very honest individual. Uh, She has no incentive uh, to make up something that isn't true. Uh, And and so I, I think she's a very, very credible witness. Very, very credible. He gave her two varies. That from the guy who told us how he had evidence in plain sight of Donald Trump's being a Russian asset. Of course, it wasn't true. The same guy who was duped by some Russian pranksters. In fact, they could have been Americans talking like they were Russians, but you can tell their fractured accent is a laughing stock and a joke, and this dumbass was duped. Here's that conversation that was recorded. Okay, Putin's Godfather. And what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Mm-hmm. And so Putin was made aware uh, of the, the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you very much. We will be back in touch uh, with you through our staff uh, to make uh, arrangements uh, to obtain these materials for our committee and, and for the FBI. 
<laughs> if I was that gullible and stupid, I think I'd just resign. I'd be so damned embarrassed. But you can't embarrass a liberal. You can't shame these people. How about him saying he think Schiff fancies himself as such an intellectual. He says to what he thinks is a Russian, oh, what are the details of the compromat? The compromat. In other words, it's a compromise. Uh, it's a compromising situation. He calls it a compromat like the comrade would. What an asshat. Did you hear the Russian guy or the guy down the street who posed as a Russian? Uh, yes, they have negative pictures of Trump. Uh, does uh, Putin have these? Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> this ass actually bought that. So you don't need to know much more about Trump, about uh, Schiff and his hatred for Trump. It's clear it's on display all the time. And Molly Hemingway understands that when Schiff says something, run. If Adam Schiff is saying something, it's a pretty good indication that it's not true. Uh, this committee has engaged in widespread manipulation of evidence. They are refusing to provide the testimony of people who dispute the narrative that they're trying to construct. Uh, they are really running roughshod over our American ideals of uh, what should happen when you accuse people of crimes and whether there should be um, a ability to make a defense or have a cross-examination. I mean, those th rights are enshrined in the Constitution, and our congressional committees are supposed to honor that in the way that they conduct their hearings. Yes, they are. And don't you love the excuses from the Raskins and the Schiffs and the Pelosi's and the Cheney's? Well, this isn't a courtroom. So in other words, we don't have to follow rules of evidence. We don't have to follow any anything that a courtroom would do. So we'll just lay it open. No cross-examination. We'll do whatever the hell we want to do. We'll lie. We'll manipulate evidence, as Molly pointed out. That's exactly what they do. They alter evidence. They've done that on several occasions and gotten caught. Isn't it funny they had a, a video of inside Kevin McCarthy's office, but not right outside in the hallway? They claimed they couldn't find it. If you believe these people, you really have to go see a doctor because your head is so far up your ass that it's unbelievably stuck and will never come out without medical assistance, if you believe these people. Here's yesterday's star witness, Chat. Uh, I want to keep wanting to call her Chastity, Cassidy Hutchinson, on a note that supposedly was written by her. Listen to Cheney try to guide her through this lie. Ms. Hutchinson, could you look at the exhibit that we're showing on the screen now? Have you seen this note before? That's a note that I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff on January 6th, likely around 3 o'clock. And it's written on a chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchinson? That's my handwriting. Except Eric Hirschman, who's a White House lawyer, came forward immediately and said, I wrote that note. She didn't write it. That's not her handwriting. It's mine. And I signed it. So nothing she said was true, unless you don't believe the lawyer. Again, what does he have to gain by lying? He doesn't like Trump. Hirschman doesn't like Donald Trump. And here he's telling you that Trump's main accuser of all the nonsense is a liar. 
as the Babylon Babylon Bee posted a picture of Hutchinson and Cheney in a split screen with this headline. January 6th committee says Cassidy Hutchinson told them that she had heard Mark Meadows say that a Secret Service agent's friend's cousin's husband once heard that one of Trump's other aides said she thinks she heard him say he wanted to do an insurrection. A Secret Service agent's friend's cousin's husband. <laughs> that Babylon Bee is spectacular. Now, that's comedy. They should have their own late-night show because we could actually see comedy again. So there's Cheney trying to guide her through what Cheney, by the way, knows to be a lie. Hirschman had already told Cheney that he wrote the note. She knew that, and she went on with the charade anyway. Greg Gutfeld had the best description of Cheney last night. He said, she is Donald Trump's, she is the vindictive ex-wife that Donald Trump didn't know he had. And that's exactly what she is. If you've listened to enough of Hutchinson's testimony, you hear her say different phrases, and she repeatedly says them. One of those is something to the effect of, So, in other words, you say something to the effect of so that you don't get trapped in perjury. That's as old as courtrooms are. It's the same as saying Joe Blow allegedly did this rather than saying he did do it. Listen to how many times she invoked the cover my ass phrase, something to the effect of, and we've only sifted through about a quarter of the videos. He had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. He said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass. Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, the president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. He said something to the effect of, he's really ticked off about this. (laughs) Cass. Oh, they called me by my nickname, Cass. They love me so much. Cass. Now, you heard her just now. Something to the effect of, something to the effect of, something to the effect of. That's not even testimony. That wouldn't even be allowed in a courtroom. You either saw it or you didn't. You either heard it or you didn't. It's not something to the effect of, well, by the way, um, Joe Biden, I heard him say something to the effect of, I molest little girls. So I guess I cover myself by saying, "Eh, it was something to the effect of, I molest little girls. Now, in Biden's case, it's the truth, but it doesn't matter If I said uh, Joe Biden said something to the effect of, I hate black people. That's true, too. Damn it. I got to come up with something that's not true. Um, If Biden said something to the effect of, I murder anyone who disagrees with me. Well, that's up in the air still. But you get my point. Something to the effect of. Something to the effect of. Now, you know who buys that bullshit? Chris Wallace buys it. Listen to this ass-kisser who knows nothing. Can we talk about Cassidy Hutchinson? First of all, she was a great witness. She was absolutely precise. She told you, I mean, if she heard an, overheard a conversation, she'd say, Cipollone went in the room, he left the door open, he was standing in the transom, I was talking, you know, I could hear. Uh, when, when I went into the uh, dining room, I stepped back, but the door was open, I could see... Mark Meadows, but I can, in the background, I could hear what Trump and Cipollone were saying. She was just brilliant. And, and really what you're all saying is 
that to a degree that nobody has up till now, really nobody in all, think of all the books we've read by all these great investigative reporters, none of them ever had the scene inside the beast, right? Mm -hmm. So there are some secrets still out there, but she connected the dots more than anybody has between Giuliani on January 2nd talking about, well, there's going to be violence, and then she talks to Meadows, and Meadows says, it's going to be real, real bad, and then Cipollone comes in, and then Trump's knowledge, and, and, and you know, she just connects the dots. This guy said she was absolutely precise, brilliant, and just connects the dots. Really? Let's refresh his memory. He had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. He said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass. Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, the president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. He said something to the effect of, he's really ticked off about this. Absolutely precise, brilliant, and she really connects the dots. All these great investigative reporters, Wallace says, who wrote books. I don't know of any. Does anybody know of any? First of all, do you know any great investigative reporter out there other than a couple who regularly appear on Fox? I don't know of any other ones. If Wallace fancies himself as one, he's out of his mind. He's nothing but a political partisan hack in the proud tradition of Brett Baer. Absolutely precise, Cass. Brilliant. And during that little exchange there, Wallace also kissed up to Andrew McCabe, who was sitting there at the desk, a guy who has already been convicted and admitted a liar, liar under oath. Booted from the FBI, and yet then somehow gets his pension. Andrew McCabe is the poster boy for everything that's corrupt in Washington. He's it. And Wallace is kissing his ass. Once Wallace got out of Fox, and I used to say all the time when he was at Fox, this guy is as fraudulent as they come. He's nothing but a liberal. The minute he got out of Fox, he was unmasked for all of the liberal that he is. He's a pathetic, lying, cowardly liberal. That's all he is. It's all he ever has been. His father was a liberal. You never really knew it. He was an actual investigative reporter. Chris Wallace can't carry his father's jockstrap. Never could, never will. By the measure of Mike Wallace, Chris Wallace is an abject failure. But in the liberal world, he's toasted as a hero. But you heard her. Those are her words, not mine. The words that Chris Wallace says are absolutely precise. Brilliant, he said. Brilliant. Something to the effect of, in the liberal world, now qualifies as brilliant conversation. Something to the effect of, <laughs> it is kind of, it's high comedy. I always say that these late night talk shows are no longer comedy. But listening to this hearing is comedy. Listening to her talk is comedy. There ain't any doubt about that. And it is kind of funny when you listen to these people. I do think it's funny when you catch people in lies. I think that's spectacular. And boy, did they catch her in lies. It's kind of amazing, really. Now, will she be pers- or prosecuted for perjury? Kevin McCarthy will have to weigh in on that. 
He claims he will do an investigation into all of this, so we'll have to wait and see. Here's what Molly Hemingway thinks of that fantasy world that Hutchinson lives in. If you believed this absolutely ludicrous story from this person, even before it was disputed by everyone on the record, you should not be involved in in politics, in journalism, and you should really think deeply about whether you're able to really analyze information at the level that you should. (laughs) In other words, you're an idiot. If you believe any of this crap, you are an idiot. And she's right. Even a three-year-old, as she accurately points out, would know that this is all a lie. Every last bit of it is a lie. You don't have to be brilliant, right? That's what she said. She's right. You do not have to be brilliant. It is laughable that she has to point this out. It's laughable that someone as pathetic as Chris Wallace and I do mean pathetic, would say something like he said, knowing full well that the proof, the absolute proof, is there. We have her own words, right? That tell us she's a liar. And she is a liar. That much we know. Scary stuff, isn't it? It is to me. When someone can go before this committee who claims, well, we're not a courtroom, so it's okay if people lie. I guess that's what they're telling you. Then why are they swearing under oath that what they say is true? Why are you having a swearing in? session if oh well you know we're not a courtroom here's another liar this is an actual cabinet member it shouldn't surprise you that biden's cabinet people lie like he does xavier Bashera, the health and human services uh cabinet czar talking about how his department will take your tax money and my tax money and pay for women who need to travel to have abortions Well, we're working with uh, centers like Planned Parenthood, so we are uh, restoring funding for Title X uh, family planning services. We are working with uh, uh, supporters on the ground to make sure that we are providing services to women where we can. Uh, We are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. Can you do that legally? Uh, Talk to me later. We're I mean, that's do, a big question, right? I, I always tell my team at HHS, uh, if you've done your homework, then we have no right to do mild. And so we're going to be aggressive and go all the way. And I, I would tell you if uh, you're recording, so I won't tell you. So, uh, this is all on the record, yeah. Mr. Secretary. We are looking at every option, and among those is transportation. Only in this country with liberals in the audience, and uh, I think her name's Stephanie Snow from NBC, sitting there doing the interview, would you laugh about a cabinet member bragging that he's circumventing the law and ignoring the law, doesn't care if it's legal or not? Oh, you're recording. 
Uh, so let's see. What should I say? Is it legal? Well, you know, I tell my team, be aggressive. They don't care if it's legal. They have never cared if it's legal. We understand that too, right? Yes, we do. These people don't care. And will they ever care? Of course not. They just don't care. Scary stuff again. Al Sharpton decided he would have to weigh in, and he wants you to know that uh, that he blames a certain group of people uh, in all of this, and that certain group of people are liberals. What? He blames liberals who he claimed elected Donald Trump. Try to follow this logic from this race baiter. Look at what you got. What did you think would happen? You gave Trump three seats on the Supreme Court. You helped do this as much as that's distorted Christian language. And we need to aggressively take both of you on and say step to the side and let folks that are clear-sighted and clear-minded save this country. Let folks that are clear-minded and clear-sighted save this country. Like him. (laughs) Like him. The clear-sighted people. (laughs) Well, since the Roe versus Wade overturn a week ago, Sandy Cortez has been trotting around on and, and in front of any microphone she can find in order to spew her lies, spew her vindictive nature, blame Supreme Court judges, blame Trump, blame everybody, blame Biden. And she was on with Colbert the other night because she loves the microphone and the TV. Again, remember, this woman hasn't been a part of any legislation that has passed in government since she's been there. Not one. But I wonder what the total of talk number of talk shows she's been on since she's been there. I think she believes that was her job. Here she is telling Colbert the same thing she told others, that the Supreme Court overreached its authority. The Supreme Court has engaged in the overreaching of its authority in denying the human and civil rights of any pregnant person, Biden, should entertain expansion of the Supreme Court. He should forcefully come out in ending the filibuster. He should forcefully come out in ending the filibuster. First of all, Stooge, Biden can't end the filibuster. Haven't you been paying attention to simple civics courses? Of course, you didn't take one. But haven't you been paying attention to all the reports of harassment toward Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema? And why was that harassment taking place, Sandy, because they refuse to vote to end the filibuster, which is how you have to end it. You need a majority in the Senate. They don't have a majority without those two. But Sandy thinks Biden should not just come out and end the filibuster, but should forcefully do it, she said, forcefully. And, of course, she claims that the Supreme Court overreached its authority. Now, she's not the only dunce that was going on Colbert's show. Someone by the name of Wanda Sykes. I vaguely remember seeing this woman through the years 
fancying herself as some sort of gay comic, gay black comic, I guess because that was the only way she could get anyone's attention because she certainly isn't funny. She thinks that you and I and anyone that lives in the Midwest are to be trampled upon. It just sucks, man. It, it it really does. I mean, you know, it's like the the country. It's no longer a democracy, right? I mean, we're it's, it's no longer majority rule. No, no certainly not right? in the Senate. Certainly yeah. not in the representation it's, of the it's, Supreme it's Court. Not. The problem is that middle stuff. It's it's those states in the middle that 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 red stuff. Mm-hmm. Why, why do they get to tell us what to do when the majority of us live? Out, you know, New York, California, and we're paying for all this crap, really. Wow. I wanted you to hear that because I wanted you to hear something that is so mentally deranged and stupid that you'll shake your head, and I wanted you to hear it before it becomes extinct. That kind of stupidity needs to be outlawed. That's where the legislation needs to come in. If you're this stupid, and you use her as the example, and Cortez... If you're as dumb as these two people, you can't talk anymore. There has to be a level maintained of civility here. These people are beyond stupid. And does she think it's cool to talk the way she talks? Does she think that's funny? She sounds like an idiot. Not just the words that she says, the way she says them. But it's that middle stuff, meaning Midwest, you know, flyover country between New York and California. She said the... Quiet part out loud, didn't she? Well, Judge Jeanine Pirro had a response to her and also to that imbecile Cortez who says the Supreme Court overreached its authority and Sykes talking about it's no longer majority rules. Majority never rules on the Supreme Court, you stooge. The Supreme Court governs itself or should by the Constitution, which has nothing to do with majority rules. It's no longer majority rules, she says. Does she have any idea what the Supreme Court's job is in terms of the Constitution? Does the last woman, she says, we're no longer majority rule. By the way, the Supreme Court doesn't make decisions based upon majority rule. The way they want to pack the court, they'll make it another legislative branch. And what makes them think they're the majority? It's a good question. What makes them think they're the majority? Fox News, until they started televising these hearings and with people like Brett Baer, routinely in primetime, after Baer's show is over, has more viewers than MSNBC and CNN combined. So what makes you think you're the majority? You steal elections better than any group of people can. I would, I would give you that if that's what you mean by that. And that may well be what she means by that. I don't know. Could be. But it's so strange when you hear these people. The flyover stuff, the red stuff, the middle stuff. She is pretty sickening. And again, when did that become funny? stuff that she says is that really funny it doesn't seem to sound funny it's also not funny when all of these liberals blacks and white liberals 
criticized Clarence Thomas, calling him an Uncle Clarence, as that noted bigot Samuel L. Jackson did. There's nothing funny about assailing a man's character because of his skin color, right? I mean, what's that all about? That's very bizarre as well. But that's what they do. Ben Carson had something to say about it. Here's why they hate Clarence Thomas. For many on the left, the only thing worse than than Satan is a black conservative. And, uh, you know, they feel that Clarence Thomas is ripe for particular scorn uh, because he is black and he's supposed to think a certain way. He's black and he's supposed to think a certain way. You know, Ben Carson is another black conservative, by the way, that the liberals hate. They hate him. Ben Carson is so superior, intellectually superior to any liberal, it's laughable. And he hits it right on the button when he says that. Ben Carson, Clarence Thomas, black conservatives everywhere, are to think like liberals think. Otherwise, you ain't black. Biden told him that. Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, is black and happens to agree with Ben Carson, but he goes a lot further. I certainly think that the greatest threat to the liberal coalition are black conservatives who stand up and think for ourselves. We we represent the fact that the African-American community is not a monolithic community. If you could ever break the stronghold that the Democrats have in the African-American community, the entire coalition falls apart. And think about this. President Biden's approval ratings have never been lower in the African-American community and the Hispanic community. The last thing people want to see are people like Clarence Thomas, Ben Carson, and myself standing up and making common sense popular everywhere in the nation. And oh, by the way, we happen to be black. That is a great threat to the entire coalition on the left. So they want to shut it down, cancel Clarence Thomas because he dares to think for himself But more importantly, don't you think for yourself because they want the price to be so high that you don't ever dare to leave wherever they say you should sit. Don't you dare leave where they say you should sit. Eloquently stated, Senator. Eloquently stated. That's exactly it. And liberals now aren't even shy about it, right? They're not shy about it. They tell you, you think like we think, or you're it, you're out. We'll ostracize you. I don't care if you're black. You mean nothing to us. Black communities mean nothing to liberals unless you toe the line. So in a lot of ways, liberals are the slave masters of today. If a black person dares to step out of line, and by out of line meaning they won't talk and think like liberals, they'll actually think and talk for themselves, then they must be punished. They're excluded from the liberal club by their slave masters, the liberals. It's exactly what they are. They're slave masters, these liberal people. And I'm talking about white and black. You hear black liberals go after these people just like white people. You heard Whoopi Goldberg go after Clarence Thomas, Samuel L. Jackson. Al Sharpton. 
The Catholic Church stepped in another pile of goo, as they are very good at, under this pope, by having Pelosi and her drunken husband, two drunks, come over to the Vatican, I, I suppose for absolution, but more than that, to make a stand, a public stand, a grandstanding play that we're going to get communion no matter what the bishop in our archdiocese says. We can hate human life all we want. We can be inviolate to the Catholic catechism, all of the rules of Catholicism regarding abortion, what the beliefs are from the Catholic Church. We don't care. We favor abortion. And so the archbishop in our diocese won't allow us to have communion. Well, we'll go to the pope. We'll show you. And, of course, that liberal Nazi pope over there decides that he'll give them communion and chastise the archbishops in the United States who refuse them communion. Now, communion is as sacred as it gets in the Catholic Church, if you're not Catholic or never have been. Brian Birch is the president of CatholicVote.org, and he's none too happy with Pelosi nor with the Pope. Well, I think Nancy Pelosi has repeatedly made clear she has no respect for Catholics or for the teachings of the Church. She's repeatedly held herself out as a devout Catholic, despite her aggressive and extreme support for abortion, including uh, painful late-term abortions. Uh, Now she goes to the Vatican, politicizes the Eucharist, and participates in a mass with the Pope and partakes in what Catholics believe to be one of the most sacred parts of of our faith. This isn't some, you know, debatable issue like climate change. This is a life and death issue. I love that. Good for you, Brian Birch. Both she and Biden have embarrassed the Catholic Church to a fairly well, but neither of them compare to how the Pope has embarrassed the Catholic Church. Every Catholic out there should understand that. I would assume they do. All the Catholics I know, and there's plenty of them since I was raised a Catholic, detest this Pope. They're embarrassed by him. He's not a Catholic. He's a liberal activist. How did the Catholic Church, and by that I mean the College of Cardinals, how did they get it so wrong when they elected this guy Pope? He cares nothing for the Catholic religion or the faith or the rules or the beliefs of Catholics everywhere. He's in diametrical opposition to his flock. So many things you can say about today that I never would have thought I would see this in my lifetime. One of those things is a pope who blesses abortion. It's unconscionable. But that's what this guy does. He's a pathetic disgrace to the Catholic Church. And he needs to be removed. Now, I don't know how you remove a pope. I don't know if they have an impeachment process like they do in politics, they ought to. Because he is a politician, first and foremost. It's what he does. He supports all liberal causes, including abortion. Can you imagine? I never thought I'd see that. But here it is in plain daylight for us to witness and to see. It's there. 
And he doesn't even pull his punches like Hutchinson does. Remember, here's what Hutchinson says. He had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. He said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass. Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, the president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. He said something to the effect of, he's really ticked off about this. The Pope didn't say something to the effect of, the Pope gave them communion. Now, I don't know if her husband's pro-abortion, because he's never spoken about it. But she is. And the Pope couldn't wait to make a grandstanding show of giving her communion. Why do you think she went over there with her drunk husband? Because it's a grandstanding play. By the way, do you know who paid for that trip? Not the Pelosi's. No. You did. I did. People like the Pelosi's are too important. They don't pay for anything. You and I pay for all of their excesses. And if the government gets its way, we'll pay for abortions. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you believe. They want you to pay for people's education. They want people who didn't go to college to pay for people who did go to college. Try to follow that logic. So I choose not to go to college. I'm going to go to a trade school or maybe I'll just get a job selling. Whatever job. But nothing related to a college degree because I didn't go to college, let's say. And now you're telling me that I have to pay for my next door neighbor who did go to college? Based on what? Simple fairness tells you that's bullcrap. I don't know how many of the listeners out here have read the Bible to any degree or are familiar with the Bible. I can tell you one person who's never read the Bible, and that's the bigot Al Sharpton. But he claims that the Supreme Court justices and Christians everywhere who read the Bible have misunderstood it. Real Christians that really study the Bible ought to be incensed. I've been a preacher since I was a little boy. I am incensed and insulted that they have hijacked the Bible and Jesus to distort and misquote. Well, it's not even misquote, create quotes that are not there to justify a right wing uh, kind of ideology that would take away the rights of women and then schedule to take other people's rights. And, and it, what is strange to me is, Joe, they can see a scripture that is not there about abortion, but they couldn't see love your neighbor when it came down to uh, put, putting things through that would help the poor and help the needy. They couldn't see that. They didn't see Jesus healing the sick when we were dealing with affordable health care. The things that are in the Bible, they missed, and they put things that were not in the Bible there, and many gullible and insecure Democrats who probably hadn't read the Bible themselves got nervous. If they would read the Bible and fight back, they would not be in this situation. So he claims that Christians who believe that the Bible tells you that abortion is not something they should engage in are stupid Christians. Not real Christians, he said, like him. But it's interesting to me that the truth is the Bible does mention abortion, though it doesn't call it abortion. 
if you are familiar with the Bible, and Al Sharpton most certainly is not, then you would know. Because all he has to do is read Jeremiah, for starters, where Jeremiah curses the day he was born and the man who brought the news to his father because he didn't kill me in the womb, so my mother would have been my grave. There's also uh, a scripture in Exodus in the 21st chapter. When people who are fighting injure a pregnant woman so that there is a miscarriage, but no other harm occurs, there's a financial penalty. Now, there's a Greek translation that comes from that. If two men fight and strike a pregnant woman and her child comes out not fully formed, that person will be forced to pay a penalty. If it is fully formed, he shall give life for life. A person who kills a fully formed baby is subject to the death penalty as a murderer would be. If the penalty, excuse me, if the baby was not fully formed, the penalty is financial, as was typical for property crimes in the day. So by implication, abortion of a fully formed baby is punishable by death. That's in the Bible. So I'm not sure what Bible Al Sharpton reads, but I would bet my life he's never read the Bible. Says he's a minister since he was four. He's been preaching since he was four. To whom? As someone who's gone to different churches in my lifetime, I don't recall a four-year-old preaching to me. And if a four-year-old had strolled up to the microphone, I would have gotten up and left. I'm pretty sure most people would have done the same. Oh, they might have stayed for a couple minutes to see how cute it would be. No one would pay attention to it. I guess it's cute. It's cute in the way that a dog can walk. A dog with three legs can walk. You're thinking it's cute that it can even walk at all. So a four-year-old getting up there to preach, it's kind of cute that he can talk at all. But there's no substance to anything little Al Sharpton was saying. And to be fair, there's no substance in what he says now. So he was as good a preacher at age four as he is today. Meaning he's always been bad. If Al Sharpton had ever read a page in the Bible, he would know that his abject bigotry is forbidden. Maybe Al Sharpton should follow the teachings of Billy Graham, who made no excuse for bigotry. Al Sharpton detests the white race, hates them, unless, of course, they're lining his pocket. Remember when Donald Trump was giving money to his ministry, quote-unquote, Al Sharpton dug old Donnie. But once Donald Trump ran as a Republican, Al Sharpton hates Donald Trump. I find that fascinating. Fascinating, I tell you. But that's Al Sharpton. Now, a lot has been said in the past few days. Uh, an article in the New York Times quoted by, well, quoted insiders at the White House saying that Biden is irked and upset that Democrats won't take yes for an answer from him. That, yes, I'm going to run in 2024, and everybody is ignoring that and talking about other people that might run. Hillary Clinton's trying to claim she can run. 
Everybody else is trying their best to run. And so all of a sudden, here comes Heels Up Harris claiming that Biden is going to run and that she is going to be his, well, I'll let her use the word that I've never heard before. Joe Biden is running for re-election and I will be his ticket mate. Full stop. Full stop. Sit. His ticket mate. Anybody know what a ticket mate is? <laughs> this woman is so incapable of speaking off the cuff that it's hilarious. I'll be his ticket mate. She meant running mate, of course, but I'll be his ticket mate. <laughs> and then Dana Bash says, like all of these liberals, full stop. And then she says, full stop. <laughs> well, maybe you won't be. Because Colbert, when he had Sandy Cortez on, decided to suck up to Cortez and say this. Uh, I know somebody who's going to turn 35 uh, about a month before the election in 2024. <laughs> and uh, they represent New York's 14th. Uh, is, is that job appealing to you at all? Um, I think that... Theoretically. Uh, listen, I think that we need to focus on keeping a democracy. So it's possible. So it's possible. I don't know about that. Now, when he said, I know someone who's about to turn 35 a month before the election, she starts looking under the couch and looking behind the couch like she's, well, who could you possibly mean? Oh, it's cute little me. We need to focus on saving the democracy. It's a republic, dumbass, but never mind. That distinction was lost on you when you were behind the bar making a white Russian. Or would you even make a white Russian anymore? Isn't that racist? So Colbert would suck up to anybody. Talk about a guy who's trying to to nail her. That's him. But she's so pathetic. She really thought that was clever and cute and funny when she looked under the couch and looked behind the couch. Who could he possibly be talking about? Oh, it's little old cute me. I'm the one that all the conservative men want to have sex with and sleep with. I'm that girl. God, she makes you want to vomit. She really does. You know, as my research assistant who gathers so much of this stuff for us sent me a, a picture of Ernest T. Bass. Now, you have to be a certain age to understand who Ernest T. Bass is, but he was on the Andy Griffith Show as the hillbilly. And the meme has a picture of Ernest T. And it says, the older I get, the more I understand why Ernest T. Bass threw rocks at people. And it's so true. Would you like to throw rocks at Colbert or perhaps Sandy or Kamala? I've always been pounding the drums for the Republicans to tell us what they're going to do to change what's going on. All they have to really say is, we're going to go back to the Trump policies. That's all they have to say. It doesn't have to be detailed. But at least Kevin McCarthy, in speaking yesterday, told us what the Republicans will do. He just didn't know how, or didn't say how they would do it. But you know what the very first thing we're going to do? We're going to lower the price of gasoline. We're going to make us energy independent. We're going to secure the border so you, our children won't be being killed by the fentanyl that's coming across it. Or there won't be another 51 people in the back of a trailer for human trafficking. We're going to make sure that parents have a bill of rights so they have a say in their kids' education. We're going to make our streets safe again. Well, all that's wonderful. And how are you going to do it? 
Like I said, all you have to say is, we're going to use the Trump policies that made this country great again. We're going to use the Trump policies that had everyone working in the economy buzzing, the stock market soaring like a rocket ship, unemployment way down in every demographic and race all across the board, energy independence, peace, peace, we were at peace. So when you voted for Biden, which part didn't you like, prosperity or peace? You had to dislike one of them at least because we enjoyed prosperity and peace when Donald Trump was president. And that's all McCarthy has to say. But in looking at these hearings, quote-unquote, that are going on, this dog and pony show, McCarthy reminds us who's in charge of this entire production. Because this is the same producer that had all the Epstein information but kept it out. And think of the similarities when you have Adam Schiff on this committee. Remember when he said, we have a whistleblower coming forward in the impeachment, and he didn't know who it was? And then later we found out the staff had met with him and coached him? Mm-hmm. Or remember when Adam Schiff changed the text on what Jim Jordan said? And remember, this committee did the same thing to Jim Jordan? Or what about when he lied to the American public as chair of the Intel Committee, saying the Hunter Biden um, whole article was Russia collusion? Right. Or remember when he said he had proof about the Russia collusion and he put America through this? Yeah, we remember. We remember it vividly. And he continues to lie today, the leaker liar. There's never been one like him. So what are you going to do about that? Here he sits on the Intel Committee, chairman of the Intel Committee now. And Swalwell, who runs his uneducated, illiterate, liberal, Chinese spy mouth. What's McCarthy going to do with those people? Anything? Well, he actually is. But I'll promise you this. When I'm Speaker... He will not be on the Intel Committee anymore. And you know what else? Swalwell won't either. I, I I, don't know if this is a high bar, but if you have a relations with a Chinese spy, you shouldn't be allowed to be on the Intel Committee. Carpe diem to that. This is how liberals flaunt any kind of integrity whatsoever. We don't care if Eric Swalwell is a Chinese spy. He'll be on the Intel Committee. We don't care if he compromised intelligence. We'll put him on the intelligence committee. We don't care if Adam Schiff lies every time his lips move. We'll make him chairman of the intelligence committee. We don't care if he is so sophomoric that he's duped by a couple of guys pretending to be Russians. We'll make him the chairman of the intel committee. We don't care if he lies in plain sight by claiming he has evidence in plain sight, we'll make him the chairman of the Intel Committee. Raskin, Schiff, they're serial liars. They don't say anything that's true. Neither one of them. Never have, never will. And all of these liberals, don't ever forget this, they're the ones who destroyed your life during the pandemic. They're the ones who unwittingly expose the schools and the teachers therein for what they really are, bigoted, racist, indoctrination centers. So isn't somebody going to do something about that? Well, Stephen Miller is. Stephen Miller, American Legal First founder, also worked in the Trump administration as a senior advisor to the president. He's going to sue schools and woke companies 
if any of them dare to violate your rights. Listen to this. And if your rights are being violated or you know of someone whose rights are being violated, and pretty much all of this is violative of your constitutional rights in one way or another, uh, critical race theory, all of it, get in touch with us and we will partner together. We will get you the attorneys and we will sue. We will sue your school. We will sue your college. Uh, we will sue, sue your employer, your future employer, or the corporation that's locked its doors to you because they don't like your skin color. They don't like your gender. They don't like your sexual orientation. They don't like your face. That's the program. That's the plan. Carpe triple diem, Stephen Miller. I love that guy. Every time he talks, he makes perfect sense. He's not a BSer like most Washington types. I think that's why Trump liked him. He was Trump. Those guys thought the same way. Still do. I shouldn't say thought. They think the same way. And those are my kind of guys. I can tell you who isn't my kind of person, and you probably already know that if you listen to this show with any kind of regularity, and that's Sonny Houston Houston. I love these view people. They take their show to the Bahamas, and they oh, somebody told them, some producer told them all, why don't you all wear sunglasses? You'll look really cool. So all of them have sunglasses on. And then Houston Houston decided that being brain dead in New York is one thing, but I can be brain dead in the Bahamas too. She makes the illiterate comparison that if you're pro-gun, you can't be pro-life, and if you're pro-life, you can't be pro-gun. If you truly are pro-life, you cannot be pro-life and also be pro-death penalty and be pro-guns. There's just no way that that is consistent. And when you think about the Republican Party, I mean, 80% of Republicans believe that the death penalty is appropriate, morally justified. Morally justified, Miss New York. What's wrong with thinking the death penalty is morally justified? Let me, let me explain to that brain-dead lunatic the difference between pro-life and pro-gun and why they coexist and why they are not mutually exclusive, stupid ass. If you're pro-life, that means you don't murder people, okay? You don't kill babies in the womb. You don't kill people. You're in favor of life. When you're pro-gun... I don't know how many millions of people are in the NRA or how many millions of legal gun owners there are in this country who haven't shot anyone, who haven't murdered anybody, who don't believe in abortion. Very simple. They don't believe in murder, so they are pro-life. It doesn't matter if they have a gun or not. They're not shooting anybody with it. As far as the death penalty is concerned... The death penalty is preserved for murderers, you see. That's always been the case. It dates back to the Bible, the same one that Sonny Hostin Houston and Al Sharpton have never read, that little book. By the way, did you know it's the all-time greatest bestseller? Everyone who writes a book now tells you how it's, it's spent two weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. The Bible has spent... Thousands of years on the bestseller list at the top. It's the all-time number one bestseller. So the attack on Christianity by the liberals is something that I think 
God might not forget. I'll tell you what I wouldn't forget, and I wouldn't forget if I was you either. I haven't forgotten it, and that's how to get the right health insurance. Health insurance is important. You should know that by now, and if you don't, call Jordan Krugman, 314-602-4055, 314-602-4055. You can find him online at thehealthinsuranceguy.net, thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Now, when I say I'm not afraid of getting the right health insurance, it's because I called Jordan. I got smart, and he'll educate you. He'll make it simple and easy to understand, whether it's health, dental, vision, life, Medicare. He's an advocate for you. He's on your side. He's not an insurance agent who represents X, Y, or Z insurance companies. He's an independent broker. So he represents you. And he'll take your needs, price, and coverage to different insurance companies in order to get you the best plan at the right price. That's why he has some plans that are available that have a zero, I said it right, zero deductible. He'll tailor the plan to your needs, designed specifically for you. Now, you don't even have to come to his office. He's right here in our area, but he can visit with you online virtually. Any questions you have from the comfort of your own home. He signed a gentleman to some Medicare coverage the other day from Kansas City who listens to our show. 24 different states Jordan's licensed in, including Missouri and Illinois. If you're a small business owner, you want to talk to him. Look, you have top salespeople in your small business. Do you want to lose them to another company because your insurance benefits weren't good enough? You will lose them, I promise you, for that reason. You can eliminate that potential by calling Jordan. He has saved small business owners tens of thousands of dollars a year and at the same time making the health insurance coverage for their employees better. Now, that's a tough daily double. Save you money and make the coverage better, but he does it. Medicare. When you hit about 64 and a half, you're going to be flooded with mail in your mailbox every day, all the propaganda from all the insurance companies who want your business. It becomes confusing, so throw it away. Call Jordan. 314-602-4055. Tell him we sent you. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net. He'll help you with Medicare supplements, Advantage plans, Part D drug plans, hospital indemnity plans. He has a lot of Advantage plans for a zero monthly premium. And these policies will include a lot of extras like gym memberships, transportation services, hearing aids. And don't forget to ask Jordan when you talk to him about the new product, Health Matching Accounts, HMAs. They create a savings account for all health-related expenses, and it's guaranteed to double your money in just 35 months, less than three years. 314-602-4055. That's Jordan Krugman, and I promise you your life will be better from the health insurance perspective, if you simply pick that phone up and make that call today. You can't beat it. It's the way to go. TheHealthInsuranceGuy.net. We're back with more of our show. Certainly your phone calls are welcome at 636-538-0746 after this.
welcome you back in, Kevin Slayton, with you right here on KevinSlaytonShow.com in the window world, Kings Court, KevinSlaytonShow.com. Our good friends at Zycan Exteriors always want you to know one thing. They understand how important your home is to you and that your roof, which protects your home, protecting your greatest investment, is equally important, if not more so. And so what happens if your roof is damaged? Mine was, if you don't get it fixed, you're putting at risk and in jeopardy your, your home. Zycan Exteriors can help you with that. They'll come out and give you peace of mind for free. You're sitting there thinking right now when I'm talking, is there something wrong with my roof? I don't know. I've never inspected it. Nobody, nobody's ever inspected it since the day I bought the house. Well, Zycan Exteriors will come out and do it for free. They'll give you a free damage inspection. Just call them. That's what I did. 636-345-6873. They'll be happy to come out, give you a free damage inspection, and let you know, A, hey, you've got a clean bill of health, or B, we've got an issue, let's address it. And that's what they did with me. I had an issue. And so I got a full roof replacement. I had my insurance adjuster here, too. I got a full roof replacement. With all upgraded Owens Corning shingles, because Zycan Exteriors is a preferred contractor of Owens Corning. Works out perfectly. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They're not a fly-by-night operator like these guys are that come into your neighborhood after every storm and they say, Hey, hey, uh, we think that uh, you need a new roof and we can put one on for cheap. Well, if you fall for that and it starts leaking and you call them, they're long gone. Zycan Exteriors isn't going anywhere. They've been here since 1949, so they're not leaving. Not at all. 636-345-6873 in Missouri. 636-345-6873. In Illinois, you'd call 618-806-6911. 618-806-6911. Our phone lines are open. 636-538-0746. You can jump on the show right now, talk about any of the topics that we've talked about, and uh, we'll be happy to entertain them for you. From time to time, I tend to look away from the microphone, so if I sound a little bit low, it's because I have strayed from the microphone. But then I always come back. I always, always come back. So we've covered a lot of ground today. I understand that. And yet, it's important for everybody to have the truth. I've always felt that. We've got a secret service that's willing and ready to testify that Cassidy Hutchinson is a two-bit liar. That a person who kept testifying with phrases like this. He had responded something to the effect of, we're going to the Capitol. said something to the effect of, there's a lot going on, Cass. Mr. Cipollone said something to the effect of, the president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. He said something to the effect of, he's really ticked off about this. To something to the effect of, well, that's not testimony, that's just lying. So what's happened? The 
spectacular committee hasn't even contacted the Secret Service about those two agents that Cassidy Hutchinson quoted. Even though the Secret Service has publicly volunteered to speak with the committee. Now, what is going on here? No representative from that panel had contacted the Secret Service as of yesterday afternoon. Now, that's incredible, even for them. Even for them. Tony Renato, who is one of the staffers that Hutchinson supposedly quoted, came out with a a statement denying all of her claims involving him. Remember, she said that Tony Arnato told her that Trump attempted to seize control of the car, even though there's a bulletproof divider separating the driver from the president's party. So think about this. You're the driver. Behind you is a back seat. And in between the two is a bulletproof divider. According to Hutchinson, Donald Trump reached for the steering wheel and Tony Ornato had to stop him from taking control of the car. And then he lunged toward Ornato, who was in the front seat. Both of those actions are impossible. Absolutely impossible. You know why? Because of the bulletproof divider. So her testimony, which of course was a lie, really falls apart. Immediately. Immediately. And it falls apart because it's an impossibility. Now, she's not smart enough to have figured that out, right? She didn't know that. And because she didn't know that, she's caught in a lie. This is a woman who willingly perjured herself. The the facts are there. What she claimed Tony Arnato told her that Donald Trump did was an impossibility. Unless the president, so powerful, right out of Spider-Man, right off the pages of Spider-Man or the silver screen Spider-Man, or with some Herculean strength, could just punch his way through the bulletproof divider, grab the steering wheel, and then grab Tony Arnato by the throat. That's what she claimed he did. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. The Secret Service has gone out of its way to make public that they will cooperate and that the investigators can access any documents or witnesses that they deem relevant. They've already interviewed these two Secret Service agents, apparently in private. Now, why don't you want them publicly interviewed? That would be a real cross-examination, by the way, since the opposing force is the liberals. They won't allow cross-examination of someone like her. Ryan is up. Good morning, Ryan. How are you? Kevin, how are you doing, buddy? Good morning to you. I am doing great. Good morning to you, sir. Boss, I am convinced that people like this are – they've got to have a – a deal, a, a book deal, or something yeah. that somebody negotiates ahead of time. I couldn't agree to, more. When when, when I hear when on. I hear Adam Schiff and I hear Raskin say, "Well, what incentive does she have? What motive does she have to lie about 
10 million or so. Yeah. It, because they're, they're, and I don't know, you, you tell me, um, I haven't watched a whole lot of these hearings because of course they're, they're stupid, <laughs> but if she's, if she's getting caught in a lie, are they not um, being sworn into these hearings and is there no perjury involved at yes, all? Yes, there is. They are being sworn in. So I said earlier, they're testifying under oath. Now they claim, well, you know, we're not a courtroom, so we don't have to follow the rules of evidence. We don't have to have cross-examination. Well, then why are you having an oath? You're testifying exactly. under oath. They're lying. The lies are proven to be lies and there's no movement to charge her with perjury this woman should have been charged already with perjury should be on her way to jail well if i'm not mistaken too they tried to uh, the, one of these same bullshit uh, hearings that the left was putting together going after trump they tried to go after one of trump's uh, cabinet members that quote I, I can't remember who it was but i guess it was a couple of years ago they they tried to go after him for perjury and it's like well you can't have it both ways well they tried to go they've tried to go after all of them uh any yeah. one of them who's testified uh you know, Paul Manafort, any one of them. But here, here's the problem. Her story completely falls apart, not only from the testimony of the two Secret Service agents and their willingness to come forward and tell their story, but also the the, the physical uh, divider, the bulletproof divider between the, the driver in the front seat and where the yeah. president sits. It's an impossibility. Well, and the best was it wasn't just that, her, you know, her story fell apart as like it did. It fell apart so quickly. A lot of the times we don't get the details of how a story might be bullshit for maybe a couple of days. That's true. Hers was within a matter of hours. Yeah, it didn't take long with her. <laughs> well, as soon as she as soon as she made those outrageous claims, can you imagine if you were one of those two agents? You're sitting there hearing yeah. that she's attributing this to you and you know it's a lie? That's why it happened so fast. The Secret Service didn't mess around. I think, too, though, and I – uh, the last thing I'll say is it was it was been a comical week so far, like it always is with the left on the news. And you know, I saw Pelosi and her her uh, husband in front of the Pope, and I saw Kamala Harris uh, talking bad about the Texas governor and how he's handled um, some immigration issues. Think about that: the person that's in charge of the border uh, criticizing somebody how they're handling the border. Um, and then the last thing, of course, with the Roe vs. Wade issue. And I, I made a comment to somebody this week, and I said, if you think the, the left, the Democrats, they love you so much, if you don't think they're ecstatic that Roe vs. Wade happened, it did, you're crazy. Because they would trade the Roe vs. Wade decision in a heartbeat if it meant they stayed in power in November. That's all they care about. That's all they've ever cared about. That's all now, they care now about. Now, they want to make Roe Ro versus Wade a campaign issue. It will not be. Uh, it's already been polled with liberals, of course. They always poll the liberals as a majority, they've already said they don't care. They don't care about abortion. They care about – people have a funny way of voting. They vote with their pocketbooks. Always have, <laughs> always will. And so when all of the other chaos is ensuing around them, they're going to be distracted by Biden saying, it'll be on the ballot. Roe is on the ballot. Okay, thank you. Go back to tripping and falling off your bicycle. That's exactly right. Kevin, have a wonderful day. I won't be able to listen tomorrow, but uh, I'll be traveling, so uh, have a great weekend. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. Safe travels. Yeah, I mean, she is perjuring herself. It's as obvious and as provable as it can be. If you want to see who's credible, let's see if the liberals prosecute one of their own. There's so many things to know about this. As I pointed out earlier, she had a lawyer. Her lawyer was pro-Trump. 
she changed lawyers two weeks before she testified to a guy that was sympathetic to the committee. (laughs) Truthfully, that's all you need to know. But that's just the tip of the iceberg with this woman. The constant references to something to the effect of, she never did have anybody saying anything directly, even anything she was told. Well, they claim he said something to the effect of. But the bottom line to it all is, unless you believe, and this would really be a stretch, that two Secret Service agents have told her a story, a fantasy land story, and now have lied about it, knowing full well that the Secret Service agents are familiar with the workings of the presidential motorcade cars, knowing full well that they're aware of the big bulletproof divider between the drivers and the president, that they would still make up a story whereby the president could somehow try to wrestle control of the car, grab an agent by the throat, and what blows you away, or should blow you away, is how readily the media accepted it as true and went on their stupidity rampage about how honest this woman was Chris Wallace going so far as to calling her brilliant, brilliant, and absolutely precise. You don't think those words would haunt a journalist in a real world? If this were the days of Chris Wallace's father, he would lose his job for that. When you describe someone's testimony as absolutely precise, and their testimony is about an action that's physically impossible, that's the furthest thing from precise, and you would lose your job. Do they lose theirs? No. Why would they lose their jobs? Hey, back home in Missouri, uh, Governor Mike Parson signed a bill yesterday to change the Missouri election laws once and for all. It will require all Missourians to show a voter ID, and it repeals the use of mail-in ballots. Carpe triple diem. It's too bad we're not a swing state because then it would really hold importance. But it will ensure that we'll have a fair election here. Now, the only thing that bothers me is this. This bill also bars the use of electronic vote-counting machines, but not until January of 2024. Hmm. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The election is in November of 2024. So that's okay. Had to do my calendar work there for a moment, so that doesn't bother me at all. In fact, it's wonderful news. So these electronic vote counting machines will not be used in the next presidential election. Some absentee ballots, don't be don't be concerned now, an absentee ballot is permissible because you have to prove who you are, and those will still be allowed. And you can fill out an absentee ballot in person, in person, two weeks before an election but not two weeks after. Remember, it's not election month, it's election day. I'm not in favor of these early ballots either, unless you can prove to me that you can't get to the polling place or that you're out of state or out of the country at the time that you would normally vote. Bizarre, isn't it? Such a heinous voter restriction bill. 
You actually have to show an ID. You have to show an ID to get a six-pack of beer if the checker is at all uneasy about your age. I don't know if they do any more, but grocery stores in the past when I was working as a checkout guy would send spies through your line with alcohol to see if you would check for IDs. That's how seriously they took it. So if you're required to show an ID to get beer, is it racist to require you to show one to vote? You have to show an ID to cash a check. I mean, we've been down this road with these idiots, but their stupidity is endless. So when Hillary Clinton or any other liberal lunatic tells you that these voter restriction bills are racist, they're not restrictions and they're not racist. Unless you consider asking a kid going through your checkout line at the grocery store buying beer, if you ask him for his ID and he's black, if you think that's racist, then at least you're consistently stupid. But I don't you th- I don't think you believe that's racist. Kevin is up. Good morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you today, sir? I'm always well. Hey, uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to call today, but when you just mentioned what you did, that prompted me to call. That's what I want to comment on. But but first and foremost, I've I've listened off and on this morning because I had some phone calls come in. But but um, on Sharpton, I, I I can't even take that guy anymore. I, I'm a Christian. God saved my life. Uh, believe me, God gave me life. But he doesn't get to rewrite the Bible himself. <laughs> and he wants to, you know, it, our pastor at our church says it all the time. He says, we, we need to study the Bible and live by the Bible, but we don't get to rewrite the Bible. No, and, as I said, um, it's the all time number one bestseller on the New York times bestseller list. And, and the yeah. people like Sharpton, who I believe, I believe this in my heart and I don't have any evidence to back it up. So this is my opinion. I don't think he's ever read a page. Yeah, very, very possible. Very possible. Um, and, and Kevin on uh, Nancy Pelosi, want to comment there. Um, some of these people like Pelosi better better really feel lucky that lightning striking people and pants catching on fire uh, really don't really happen. They're just cliche sayings. You know, may lightning strike me or may my pants catch on fire if I'm a lion. Um, you know, lie, lie, or pants on fire. But I, I'm just done with her. Um, she is all over. You can find uh, audio after audio of her saying it's about the children, it's about the children, it's about the children. I got in an office because it's about the children. And then last week she says it's about killing the children. So, Nancy, done, over, done with you. Um, well, I, hope honest, over, I hope you're over and done with her long before that. Oh, I, I was, but now I'm definitely – I always say I'm definitely done now. <laughs> but, you know, anymore when I hear these people, I just want to shut it off. You know, I just don't, just ignore them. And that's the problem. We keep giving them – you know, light. And, and I know you have to bring it up on your show to, to, to educate people, but, but people in most cases hear what Kevin's got to say and then shut these people off. I mean, because it's just, it, it's just ridiculous. Um, I mainly prompted the call about what you talked about voting just now and all that. And I ended up in a little debate with a friend of mine uh, earlier this week um, who works at a county courthouse and sees people that are coming in to vote early and put out a Facebook post that said, um, I had so many people like we've had like 485 people vote early. And so many of them said that 
said, thank you. Uh, without this, we wouldn't have been able to vote. And I immediately commented back to him and said, no, it's called absentee voting. It's been around forever. And he <laughs> sent back, well, you know, these people were just happy they can come in and vote. And I said, you don't understand what I just tried to tell you, which is absentee voting. They have that right. It's been there forever. They were able to vote. So them saying that they would not have been able to vote without early voting means they're an idiot. They're either an idiot or they're liars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's very difficult to distinguish between the two when they're liberals. Yep. You and, don't, and you don't final, want to believe that anybody is that stupid. Yeah. And my final comment to him was, then I guess they're okay with their vote being stolen more easily because with absentee balloting, you have to show your ID and it's signed and it's sealed in an envelope. A lot harder to steal. And I said, so I guess you're for stealing votes. And I, and I, and I put mic drop and I put a microphone on there on my comment and he's not commented back at me since. And so, will not. No, but it's like, oh, yeah, people are so happy they could early vote. No, I mean, this is just cheating. You know, Um, I went in my polling place Tuesday because I'm in Illinois and exercise my right to vote. And I went, oh, look, there's a new machine in here. And the guy goes, oh, yeah, we got these new machines. And I'm like, "Okay, I guess I'm going to put my vote in here and I wonder how it's going to be cheated now. You know, (laughs) and, you know, and and, and the guy looked at me when I said it. You know, (laughs) it was like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm putting this in here. It's going to be cheated now, I guess. I don't know what's going on when I put it in this machine. You know, so it's just it's ridiculous, uh, Kevin. We need to go back to just regular voting on on the voting day, paper ballot, sign your name. If it's provisional, then you do a provisional, you know. But what what changed? I mean, the voting worked forever. What changed? Democrats were losing too much and they figured out a way to cheat. That's what changed. Sure. And the way to cheat is to create a pandemic out of the sky Mm -hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. enlist China's help because China wanted Trump out and the mm-hmm. media's help because they wanted Trump out and then claim, yep. oh, nobody can leave their home. Uh, they're yep. quarantined, so they have to be able to vote, don't they? And, and, and Kevin, Biden keeps telegraphing it every time he speaks lately. He keeps telegraphing that, well, there's another pandemic coming. There's another pandemic coming. Yep, Joe, I know. October's coming. We're yeah. going to have a shutdown again because – you know, you got to have voting in November and, and another pandemic's coming. And he keeps telegraphing and I keep they, they think they're trying to tell him, read your card, Joe. It doesn't say to say that. You know? It's actually so. coming in September because that'll give them enough time. They can shut everything down and start yeah. the mail-in ballot process for two months. And thus yeah, I mean, themselves he keeps saying that there's another pandemic coming. So what do we not know, Joe? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't, oh, and by well, the way, we, Kevin. What we don't know is that uh, it's going to come from somewhere. We're not aware from where. But it's coming. Kevin, did you see the article about Anthony Fauci yesterday? On what he's taking? Well, he's yeah, he's taking that, that drug. But, but did you see what happened? He had symptoms. He then was getting better. He was taking this drug. And now he's having rebound symptoms. And they're claiming the rebound symptoms are from the drug. Well, then he claimed he was going to take a second dose of it. And so yeah. uh, Dr. McCullough was on with Laura Ingram last night and said this guy's basically effing nuts. There's nothing that. that ever claimed that drug did anything to help you, but there are plenty of drugs that do, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, but Fauci mm-hmm. won't won't at least publicly claim that he's taking them. Here's my bet. He's not taking the one he claims he's taking. He's taking either ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, if indeed he wants to get better. Maybe he wants Very to right. die. I don't know. Yeah, he may be now after that drug failed for him or whatever, but you know, he's, what, triple, quadruple vaxxed? Still got it. Now he's having rebound. Well, Mr. Like, Follow the Science wouldn't be taking that drug if he actually followed the science. So I doubt that he took it. I think he's lying. Yeah, I, I, I get it. 
I get it. Well, hey, Kevin, I'm going to let you go, brother. Uh, great show. Sorry I missed a bit of it. I'll go back and, and listen to the podcast so I can pick up the parts I missed today. But I just picked up Sharpton and that, and that just being a Christian, <laughs> that just sent me through the roof today. And it and, does. Um, and and he, Pelosi sent me through the roof the other day with her hypocrisy, and then then she she goes to mass at the Vatican. That's almost like in your face to me. Well, the Pope is and, the one that should really tick you off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's a disgrace. It's terrible. It's terrible. And being a former Catholic, I just look at that going, Catholic Church, you better wake up, you know. Yeah, they're embarrassing themselves now. You know, unfortunately, the Catholic Church, the people that are Catholics, don't get a vote on who the Pope is. It's only the Cardinals who get the mm-hmm. vote. But what was what were they drinking that day that they thought you mean like guy... Raymond? You mean like Raymond Burke? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, have a blessed day, brother. Uh, love your show as always. And, um, and and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate the call. How about this over in Illinois? A registered nurse lost her job Monday. She went on a Twitter rampage. Now, usually you say, well, you know, you probably shouldn't lose your job if you go on a Twitter rampage. Although if you're smart and you know that they check social media all the time, you probably would not be well advised to make any kind of claims on social media, especially in a controversial area. Well, this nurse decided that if you're a white conservative male and she has the authority to prescribe drugs, she would never prescribe Viagra for you. Her name is Shauna Harris, in case anybody wants to know who she is. Shauna Harris. She tweeted this out. I prescribe meds. I can also choose not to prescribe them. So from now on, if you're a white male who votes conservative, your penis needs to ask God for the power to rise. No more Viagra for you. (laughs) She subsequently apologize for her comment. Oh, okay. I'm deeply sorry for my post on social media, she says. I allowed my personal feelings to spill out. Those hateful words were not aligned with how I provided care to my patients. Don't you love it when these people get caught? They always say, that's not who I am. Well, who is it then? What do you mean it's not who you are? What you ought to say is, it's not who I wish I was, but it is truly exactly who I am. But she says she's always provided care to her patients. I've resigned and know my patients will be well cared for. They'll be a lot better cared for without you around. If you don't like the way they vote, you might just pull the plug on them if they're on oxygen. You're a psychopath. Who would get that worked up over a case, a legal case, that doesn't do anything the liberals claim it does? It doesn't ban abortions. It isn't going to make women die like Hillary Clinton claimed it is. Why would you get worked up over any case that doesn't affect you at all? It's unbelievable. I'd get worked up if the Supreme Court ruled that white men of a certain age group can no longer vote or can no longer go to restaurants. Of course, I use extreme examples because that's how absurd it is. But that would be about it. There's nothing else the Supreme Court can do that will tick me off like that. I was plenty pissed that they wouldn't hear the Trump cases on the election fraud. But I I didn't tweet out, "Ah, I'm never going to give Viagra to any of these people. God, she's nuts. See, these are the things that liberals do. They think they're God. And so if they're in a position where they think they can play God, that's what they do. Now, the company that licensed her 
Sarah Bush Lincoln nurse, nursing is, of course, <laughs> trying to backtrack. Our mission is woven throughout our fabric, whatever that means, and discriminatory practices are not tolerated. We're sorry this issue has caused such turmoil. We'll continue to stand behind our mission and provide care to all. Their mission is woven throughout their fabric, so I don't even know what their mission is. What is a mission that's woven throughout our fabric? I don't know. Maybe you know, but I don't know. But she's out, Shauna Harris, the nurse. (laughs) I'm not giving you Viagra. I'll show you. (laughs) First of all, as if a patient of hers, a male patient, can't go somewhere else and get Viagra or can't go somewhere else and get any of the other drugs that help in the same area. I mean, what? There there are probably seven gazillion websites where you can buy it at a discount. There are people in India who constantly send emails to people, any mail. I, I guess every mail gets them. And I guess she thinks she's the Viagra czar. She and she alone can prescribe Viagra and no Viagra for you. That's what she's saying. She's just not going to have it. I'm in charge of your Viagra and you're not getting any. (laughs) It's kind of funny, isn't it? Nothing for you. Nope. No Viagra for you. No Viagra for you. You white men, go away. It's a beautiful thing. All right, folks, we're out of time, but we're glad that you were with us all day, and uh, or all, all day, all morning, and we appreciate that. We appreciate your loyalty, and, of course, the podcast will be up on all of the podcast sites, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Anchor, Google, and, of course, on our website, kevinslaytonshow.com, the only place where you can watch it live, and then, of course, the, the podcast. We're back fighting the good fight for you tomorrow morning. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everyone.